0: Uh, This morning, we're going to talk about, or we're going to come from the subject of what it means to be with God in the chaos. And so with that said, I want you to go ahead and head to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And so let's do this. Let's stand as I read the word of God from Psalm 46. Being with God in the chaos. And I want you to hear the word of God this morning. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way, though the mountains will be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And this is the word of God. You can have a seat. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that was just read. Your word gives us life. So I pray as we consider your words over the next few minutes, I pray that we will respond to your words appropriately. Father, I pray that these people under the sound of my voice do not respond to the speaker per se, but they respond to the source from which the words come, and that's from you. These are your very words, and we would do well to listen. So, Father, help us to respond in the only way that we should, in ways that are appropriate. Help us to respond in faith and obedience this morning. How we need you. Help us. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. Hey, y'all, I don't know if you've ever received an invitation from someone to go to a place that you did not want to go to. Some of y'all want to laugh right now, or want to say I have, but, you, you, but you, the invitation that you received was from somebody in the room, so you don't want to get too loud. Uh, but for me, I've been there. I'm going to be honest with you. Last year, I received the invitation that I did not want to go to the place to which it was inviting me to. It was an invite to a preschool graduation. Preschool graduation was my own kids, and before you think that I'm a bad father, <laughs> let me explain it to you. Even after my explanation, you actually might think I'm still a bad father. But I'm going to explain it to you. I got a problem with graduation ceremonies for everything. Y'all, graduation from high school, cool. Graduation from grad school, cool. Graduation ceremony for the military, cool. Preschool, I don't know. It's like preschool, like, well, what exactly uh, did you accomplish in preschool? Like, you just showed up. And the only reason why you showed up is because I drove you there. Pretty much like, like, well, what did you, what are we celebrating? Staying alive? I don't, I don't know. I know it sounds horrible. I get it. I'll say that to you because I know I'm in a safe place. And listen, I wanted to reject the invitation, but I couldn't because he's my kid. So I went anyway. But my presence didn't change the fact that this graduation was an invitation to a place that I did not want to be in, didn't want to go to. Today, we're talking about being with God in the chaos. We're talking about. Chaos, when everything feels upside down, when your life feels out of control, when you, when, when you can't catch your breath. And chaos often feels like an invitation for your soul to go to one of two places that you don't want to go to, but you feel like you have to. So for many of us, when chaos hits our lives, when chaos finds your address, and things feel out of control and you can't do anything about it, for many of you, it's an invitation for your soul to head towards apathy. And you know you shouldn't go there, but you feel like you got to. So when you see chaos in the world, you know that you should care. Or you're like, no, I got to distance myself from that. When chaos happens in your own life and it comes close to home, for many of you, you know that you shouldn't numb yourself to it. You know you shouldn't uh, 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 seek out easy escapism from the trials in your life. But it seems like, ah, I know I don't want to go there, but it seems like I got to go there. For some of you, maybe the destination or the invitation isn't towards apathy. For some of you, when chaos finds your address and things feel out of control, the invitation isn't towards apathy. It's, all, it, 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 it's actually to Anxiety. When things are out of control in the world and in your own life, you can't help but worry. You can't help but wring your hands. You can't help to get yourself worked up and you know you shouldn't get there. But it seems like that's the default, um, that's the default destination when chaos comes and sets the course in your life. Listen, doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not. Chaos is going to find you. Living life post-2020 in this world, chaos found us. I've talked to many of you guys. Your personal life right now, for many of you, can be described as chaos. It's out of control. Work schedules are out of control. Drama in your life is out of control. What do you do about it? But let me tell you this morning, followers of Jesus Christ, you do not have to accept chaos's invitation towards apathy and anxiety. You got options this morning. You have the freedom to turn down the invitation. When chaos comes, you now have permission as followers of Jesus Christ to respond to it differently. Hear me this morning. Chaos is an opportunity for you to become more aware of the God of the universe. Chaos is an opportunity for you to become aware of the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-good God of the universe. I want you to take a look at verse 3. I'm going to read it again. It says this. It says, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains shremble at its swelling. Selah. You see, that text describes some things that are really scary. Because in that text, there are things moving that shouldn't be moving. In that text, there are things that are insecure that should not be insecure. We see in those verses, the earth is moving. The earth is giving way. The mountains are trembling. The water is roaring. We see nothing less than the end of the world being described here. But, but let me tell you, in this psalm, I don't think that the psalm is it's describing a specific situation that the people of Israel went through. I actually think that this psalm, the occasion for it, we actually see it a little bit later. It seems that the occasion for this song and some of the subsequent verses is the threat of an opposing nation. But I think what David or I think what the psalmist is trying to describe here is really this. Even if the worst possible thing happened to you, even if complete chaos was around you, you have nothing to fear. Why is that? Verse one. God is a refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. So hear me this morning. In chaos, God issues an invitation of his own. And let me give you it. In chaos, God issues an invitation to meditate on his character. God issues an invitation to meditate on his character. Yeah, I love this. I love this passage because in this uh, psalm, the psalmist is meditating. i like, well, he's modeling something that we should all learn. And listen, we are tempted to allow the chaos around us to allow our minds to drift towards anxiety, to allow our bodies to drift towards apathy. And in those moments, we need to stop and we need to meditate on who God is and what he's done for us. This is what we need to do. And when I say meditate on God's character, I don't mean uh, weird meditation or like emptying your mind of, all, of, of, of everything. No, there's content to this. I don't mean merely rehearsing facts about God. What I mean is this: meditating is lifting the chaos of your life to God. Say, God, here's the chaos. I'm going to express this to you, and I want to allow the truth of who you, and' it's you allowing the truth of who you know God to be to transform how you see your problems. It's what meditation is. Here's an illustration for you. I've given it to you countless times because I can't think of a better one. I told y'all how my very first date when I was a teenager, probably shouldn't have gone on a date when I was a teenager anyway, very first date was to a haunted house. Who takes a date to a haunted house? I don't know. Apparently me, right? But I wanted to roll through that part of the house and I didn't want to show like I was a punk, right? And so uh, I walked into the haunted house and the only thing that caused me to not scream when people would jump at me with chainsaws, is me walking through the house, meditating on the nature of the house. So it was me in the house talking to myself, not out loud, but to myself. I'm saying to myself, yo, these clowns ain't real. Like clowns aren't real anyway, but I don't know why these clowns aren't real. The chainsaws that they have in their hands, not real. They can't touch me with a chainsaw. I'll sue, right? Like you can't, <laughs> like, 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 like I'm meditating on these facts to myself so that my emotions can align themselves, can, can align itself with reality. Y'all get what I'm going in? What got me through that house was meditating on what is true. I was in a situation where I was tempted to believe my life was in danger. And in that moment, I had to reassure my heart with truth. The danger was so close. It was so real. And I had to keep rehearsing the fact or keep rehearsing the truth that that danger, it may seem like danger, but that danger can't touch me. I'm going to bring this home to your neighborhood. Because you may be going through trouble right now. You may be going through chaos right now. You may be going through a trial right now. You may be fearful about what's to come. It feels so close. It feels so real. It feels like you're literally walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But in that, as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, you don't got to fear evil. Why is that? Because God is a refuge and strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. That God is with you. And listen, hear me today. When the future causes you to tense up with anxiety. When the chaos around you tempts you to retreat in apathy. Hear me this morning. We need to stop and take that chaos as a cue to remind ourselves that God is with us. We ain't got nothing to fear. We're going to be all right. You'll be protected. You'll be sustained by the steady hand of God. Hear me this morning, y'all. When life leads you to the trial, if you are a child of God, he, promised you, he promises to get you through the trial. He promised to get you through it. I love it. David, David declares in Psalm 23, he says, even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. You may not be walking through a, literally, a literal valley of the shadow of death. I don't even know what that looks like. But I don't know what comes after the even though for you. But I do know this. Whatever that is, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help, even in that. That means that he's a refuge and strength, a very present help, even when you get the bad, the, the bad diagnosis from the doctor. He is a refuge and strength and a very present help even when the company is downsizing. He is a refuge and strength and a very present help even when your marriage is on the rocks. He is a refuge and strength and a very present help even when the pain won't quit, even when you can't have the children, even when that person is gone out of your life. The God that stood in the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is willing to stand with you in your furnace of chaos and affliction. He's with you. Y'all, I guess let me say a little bit, God, the the reason why, listen, and I said this to you guys before, I'm going to say it to you again. The reason why for many of you, your greatest fears are your greatest fears is because you can't imagine God's goodness reaching you on the other side of the realization of your fears. That's the reason why they're your greatest fears. So, So listen, you can't imagine a good life on the other side of being abandoned by someone close to you. You can't imagine God bringing you goodness on the other side of you losing that person. You can't imagine life on the other side of losing your job. You can't imagine life on the other side of filling the blank. You think your greatest fear will block you off from the goodness of God in your life. But can I tell y'all something? The reason why you can know that there is, that there is God's goodness on the other side of your greatest fear is this. It's when we look at the cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary proves that if there's life on the other side of the grave, there is life on the other side of your greatest fear. This is the beauty of the gospel. That Christ experienced a trouble in the gospel that is infinitely worse than whatever your greatest fear is. I don't know whatever it is, but this is worse. Worse, Jesus took upon himself the full and unrelenting wrath of an omnipotent God. That's worse than your greatest fear. Why did he do that? He did that for us. We who were created by God, we sinned against God. We treated him as if he's not good, as if, as if we know better than him. We sinned against God, and we deserve God's wrath against us. And you say, if God is good, why does he give wrath? Why doesn't he just forgive? Well, here we today, God would not be good if he did not punish wrongdoing. Just like a judge in Arlington would not be a good judge if criminals stood before him to be judged and he just let them slide, there's a price to be paid for our sin and that price is on our heads. But God did not leave us in that predicament. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, for us. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life in full obedience to his father. He died a death on the cross in our place for our sin, taking upon himself the full wrath of God. Jesus did not stay dead. He rose again Proving that he's God and taking the punishment that we deserve, he sits right now at the right hand of the throne of his father, giving the opportunity for anyone, anyone who would come to them with a handful of their sin and say, God, I sin against you. Will you forgive me? He offers not only forgiveness, he offers eternal life for you. Our Jesus has overcome. And I love this because if you look at the trouble at the end of verse If you look at the trouble at the end of verse uh, 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 verse 2, it talks about, therefore, we would not fear though the earth gives way. I don't know about you. I can imagine any kind of goodness happening if I'm walking outside and the earth just gives out. I got no clue of what goodness can come on the other side of that. But I love this verse because it seems like God is saying something here. He's saying, listen, you ain't really got to see the goodness beyond the trouble. But do you see me? Do you see me? I'll protect you. You may not see how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'll protect you. I'll sustain you. Trust me. Because the gospel proves that even the trouble of death leads to the goodness of life everlasting with God. If there's goodness on the other side of the grave, there is goodness for you on the other side of the chaos of a shrine. So my question for you is, what are the troubles right now that you fear in your life? What are the troubles that you are walking through? When those fears rise up in your soul, remember who God is. Romans 8.35, it says this. It describes chaos. Romans 8.35, it says, What can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Chaos, chaos should lead us towards meditating on the character of God. He's with us in it. And that actually leads to my next point. In chaos, God not only invites us to meditate on his character, he also invites us to avail ourselves of his presence. I don't know one uses the word avail anymore, but I'm going to explain to you why I used it there. Look at verse four. Verse four says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So I want you to catch these two scenes side by side. Verse 3 describes this crazy scene of earth giving way, mountains moving, seas roaring. And then verse 4, you see this uh, scene of tranquility and peace. So verse 4 describes this peaceful river in the city of God. Y'all stay with me here. So in that verse, the people of God are likened to a city. And this city is surrounded by trouble. Earth is moving. Mountains are falling. Seas are roaring. And yet in this city, they're not only safe, they are satisfied and glad. There's a river who makes glad the city of God. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And let me tell you in verse 4, this river is a picture of God's presence and grace. It's this, it's, this, it's this picture of God's presence and grace that is available to His people to nourish us and to bless us. And I don't know when I thought about this. I thought about like a lazy river. I don't know if you ever been to a theme park. You got a lazy river in the middle. Like I took my kids to Sesame Place uh, last year, right, to see uh, Bert and Ernie. They got a whole bunch of different characters on Sesame Street that I ain't recognized. But uh, we saw Big Bird and Elmo and all that, and it was chaos. Like imagine all these kids hyped up on sugar, yelling. Uh, trying, to, uh, trying to get uh, Big Bird's attention. But in the middle of this park, there was this lazy river. And when all this chaos around with all these kids hyped up on sugar, crying and stuff, there was a lazy river of people just floating. And let me tell you, I've never seen a lazy river. I've never seen anybody floating in a lazy river that looks stressed out. <laughs> never seen it, right? And I thought about that picture when I'm viewing uh, 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 this text. I think about how God is a place of nourishment and rest. And blessing for his people, even in the middle of chaos. Man, we see this idea of a river being a picture of God's presence in other places too. So, a couple of verses Psalm 36:8, it says, They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from your river of delights. Psalm 65:9, you visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water, you provide their grain so that you have prepared it. And honestly, I wish I could trace this theme of a river through the whole Bible, but I'm going to give you two more places, and I do think if you hang in here with me, it'll bless you. So let's look at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, God creates the world. Genesis 2, we see the first instance of a river. And it's a river that nourishes and blesses Eden, the city of God at the time. So we see the creation account of Genesis 1, then in Genesis 2.10, it says, in the beginning. A river flowed out of Eden to water, to water the land. So, so to summarize, there's a river flowing through the city of God, Eden, in order to nourish and bless the city of God. Let's go to the end of the Bible now. Revelation 22, last chapter. It says this. It says, then the angel showed me. He's talking about the apostle John. The river of the water of life. bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God into the land. Through the middle of the street in the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So we see it again. This river flowing through the city of God, its future city, the new heavens and the new earth that is nourishing and blessing the city of God. So I want, to, I want you to hang with me because you might be thinking something. I know you guys are smart. You're thinking something. You're like, hang with me. So Eden was before the fall of man. That's when things were perfect. Things were great. The new heavens and a new earth. It's a perfect place. Everything's great. And those are all places that are free from chaos. Those are places that are untouched by trouble and, and trials and sin and pain. But we currently live in a world in which chaos and pain and trouble exists. The question of the day is this. In a world filled with chaos. It's the river of God's presence and grace still available to the people of God. And this is why I love Psalm 46 because Psalm 46, they're surrounded by chaos. And yet it says there's still a river who makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. That God's presence and grace is available still here below even in the most chaotic of time. Verse 5 says God will help when morning dawns. Implying that God has not completely taken the chaos out of the world yet. Morning hasn't dawned yet. There's still darkness out there. But God says, even in the darkness, I'm with you. Even in the darkness, my peace is available to you. My, the presence of trouble, the presence of chaos, isn't an indication of my lack of presence. God says, I'm available. And we got to remember that. Because if you're like me, I think that the, I think the presence of a trial typically causes me to catch spiritual amnesia. When trials hit my life, when chaos hits my life, I'm always thinking, God, where are you? God, what are you up to in all this? I'm tempted to believe that God's presence will always mean a detour around the chaos. But listen, that is not true. He is a very present help in the chaos. He's in it. And my own life can testify to this, y'all. God didn't didn't take my family around the miscarriages. He took us through the miscarriages. God didn't take take my family around the loss of loved ones. He took us through it. God didn't take us around the grief, around around the bad diet, no seeds from the doctor, But he took us through it. And in those seasons, God said to us, the presence of trouble does not mean my absence. I am available to you in this, and I will bear you up, and I promise you that there's going to be a day that morning is going to dawn, that chaos is going to flee. So right now, will you avail myself? Will you avail yourself of my presence? And that same question he asked me, he's asking to you as well. So that phrase, avail yourself, I use that phrase intentionally, Even though I know that we don't use that phrase in common uh, conversation. Like, if you come over my house and I take your coat, I'm not going to say you can now avail yourself to my couch. I'm not going to say that to you. But I think that phrase is actually appropriate. It perfectly describes what I'm trying to say. Because to avail yourself, it means to help yourself to something that is in fact available. To avail yourself means to help yourself to something that is in fact available. Available. And I say this to you because, listen, there are so many things in life that I would love to help myself to that aren't available to me. Bill Gates money. Ain't available to me. I don't know what else. Like a villa in the south of Spain. Like it's not available to me. Would love it to be available to me. And if I tried to make it available to me, me, law enforcement would quickly inform me that it's not available to me. Right? (laughs) But I love it. You ain't got to feel sorry for me because Bill Gates' money might not be available to me. A villa in the south of Spain might not be available to me. But hear me today, the same thing is available to me, that's available to you. The God of the universe is available to us. He has made himself available. His grace, his presence, his peace. And you can know this even in the midst of chaos. So your question might be, Eric, okay, cool. Like, If it's available, how do I access it? How do I get it? Psalm 1 actually helps us see. I don't have it on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you can feel free to turn there. Psalm 1 is like eight verses. It describes um, really a man who is meditating on or delighting in the law of the Lord. And it describes this person. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. That river motif again. Streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither and all that he does he prospers i love it here y'all we see this refreshing life-giving supply of god's presence and grace coming to us how through his word meditating on his word day in and day night and so this leads me to this in the chaos we avail ourselves to the river of god's presence and grace by clinging to by meditating on the word of god We need it. So my question for you, if you don't consider yourself a Christian today, I think my question simply is this. Will you avail yourself to the presence of God? Y'all, he's available to you. You may think that you are far from him. You may think that you've done things in life that you're like, man, I don't know how anybody can accept me. Man, I love the work of Jesus Christ. Because he says that his blood is enough to cover your sin. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, we have a God in heaven who's willing to welcome you in his family to give you the peace and the joy that you've been looking for in your own life that you can't seem to find. He invites you you towards himself and you can take him. I invite you to consider Acts 16.31 where it says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. My question for you is, will you trust him? Will you experience the satisfaction that only he can offer? But also, if you are a believer in Christ today, I got the same question for you. Will you avail yourself of the presence of God? Chaos is not an indication that God isn't around anymore. He is available to you even in this moment. And here's the thing. I don't know what your troubles and fears are right now, but I do know this. God desires to reveal himself to you in the midst of all that. Y'all, you're going to have a hard time. I'm going to give you this tip for free. You are going to have a hard time meditating on God's word in the chaos if you don't meditate on God's word when everything is calm. So I'm to invite you to do that. I know in my own life, man, it's, it's been some trials over the last maybe decade or so. And God used a verse, um, Psalm 68, 19. It's a simple verse to comfort my soul. It's a verse that says, Blessed be the Lord that daily bears us up, God is our salvation. That verse, I learned where everything is calm. And when the the wheels fell off, God used that verse to get me out of bed this morning, each morning. I remember literally laying in bed for months at a time thinking, God, I can't get up this morning. I don't want to face the day. I have nothing in me that's going to get me back to this spot. So God, you said in your word, I'm I'm going to claim your promise. You said that you would bear me up. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to get up and I'm going to start moving and I'm going to trust that with every single step that I take, that you're going to meet me in that step and that you're going to hold me up and that you're going to keep doing that till the moment where I lay my head back in this spot tonight. And let me tell you, day after day, week after week, month after month, month, God did that. He sustained me. He was a refuge and a strength even when we lost two babies. He was a refuge and strength, a present help in trouble, even when we were having marital issues. He was a refuge and a strength, a very present help, even when we went to the doctors and they said, hey, your son is likely going to die outside of the womb. And we invite you and many people with a child's condition choose to terminate the pregnancy. God was a refuge and strength there as well. God bore me up and I promise you he'll, he'll do the same for you. Trust his word. Trust his word. Let me give you another invitation. In chaos, God invites us to meditate on his character. In chaos, God invites us to avail ourselves of his presence. And also in chaos, God invites us to align ourselves with his purposes. We see this in verses 6-11. through It says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the words of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So here, guys, I want you, I'm going to call your attention to verse 10. So verse 10 It's a verse, man, that, man, Christians just know this verse. Like, it's on, like, people get it tattooed on their bodies. It's on calligraphy and stuff. But so many people know the verse, but I don't think we always understand exactly what it's saying. Verse says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And this verse, what it's doing is it's describing the end of the road for us all. It describes the purpose and the plan that God has for every nation and every person. God says it straight up in the verse. The end of it all is this. He says, I will be exalted. That's what God says. God says that he will be worshipped, that he will be held in high regard, and that's the goal. And one of the things that are blocking us from receiving the goodness and the peace, even in the chaos, is this. For many of us, we have different purposes for life than God has. God's purpose for his life is his own glory, and for many of us, the purpose of our own lives are our own. And this is why there's so much chaos that that surrounds us and gets inside of us. We will never take refuge in God when we have different goals and purposes than he had. Here's an analogy for you, man. I'm old enough to remember when the GPS came out and it was a whole separate device, right? It wasn't on your phone. It was this huge clucking thing that was on your dashboard. Times have changed. we got GPSs on our phones. And the GPS on my phone, um, um, uh, it was a source of of marital strife uh, back in the day. And here's why. It revealed my lack of trust. And so my wife would often drive. She would plug the GPS into her phone. And I didn't trust her. And so I would secretly plug the GPS uh, uh, coordinates into my own phone as well, right? Just to make sure that we were going in the right direction. And so we would drive, and I remember one time, uh, I got the wrong address from her. I don't know how I got mixed up, but she had one address in her phone, which was the right one. I had the wrong one in my phone, but I didn't know that. So we're going down the street, and it's telling her to turn right. And I'm like, hold on, this thing is telling me to go straight. Babe, you're going the wrong way. This thing is telling, to, 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 telling you to, 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 to hang a left. No, 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 it's telling us to go straight. You're going the wrong way, right? Causing all this drama in my car. Why? Because we had different destinations. That our GPS was plugged into. Let me tell you this morning that God actually has a destination for human history. And the destination that he has for human history is his own glory. He said that he would be exalted among the nations. That he would be exalted in the earth. And my question for you today is, is that the destination for your life? If that's the destination for every person and every nation that God has given us, is that the actual destination of your life? Do you want God to be exalted? Is your life about living for the glory of God, or is it about living for your own glory? Because let me tell you this morning, there's so much chaos in our life. Not all of it, but a lot of the chaos that is in our lives, we welcome it into our lives because we're trying to fake like we're living for God's glory, but we're actually living for our own. you at work all the time, 90 hours a week, not because you're trying to glorify God, it's because you're trying to glorify yourself. You're trying to get a raise, you're trying to, you're trying to get to the top. You're so busy in your life right now, not because you're trying to glorify God, because you're trying to please every single person that has an expectation of you. And let me tell you this morning, that when you make life about your own glory, that's not only you refusing to take refuge in God, it's also you actually rebelling against God. Genesis 11 is a a quick story that uh, describes that. Like, Genesis 11 describes this time where God is trying to scatter the nation's He wants them to spread out. And these nations chose to gather together. They rebel against God. They gather together in order to make a name for themselves. And then what happens? They fail. Rebelling against God is always a losing cause. And we actually see this in verses 6 through 9. We see it in those verses. They rebel against God. And it says that he breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Rebelling against God is always a losing cause. And that's why I don't think it's an accident in verse 10 where the passage says, be still and know that I am God. And I think what that means is this. God is inviting all of us to stop frantically pursuing our own selfish plans and to rest in his perfect plan for the universe. This is what he wants us to do. For many of you, I said it before, their life is chaotic because you are busy with your own plans. You're so busy exalting yourself and you wonder why you're not happy. You'll wonder why you're not joyful. Listen, it is God's will to exalt himself and we can truly rest when God is lifted high because his glory means your joy. And you may wonder, how is that the case? Because God's glory is what you were created for. God's glory is what you're created for, and you rub against the grain of creation when you make your life about anything other than his glory. You rub against it. You are not created to find joy in focusing on you. You are created to find joy in seeing and beholding and exalting the supreme God of the universe. And when we pursue his purposes, we can rest assured that the God of all heaven, the sovereign God who sees all, he'll take care of us. So my question for you this morning is, will you align your life with the purposes of God or will you keep trying to get about life just doing what you want to do? Band, you guys are going to come back up. As we close, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. They're simple. One, do you know that God is a refuge for you? Do you know that the Lord of hosts is with you, that the God of Jacob is your fortress? As we begin 2024, if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to trust him for the first time today. He is available to you. He is closer than your very breath this morning. And the way that you will assess him for the very first time is by faith, by grace through faith, by confessing your sin and trusting him as Lord. And if you do know Jesus, know this. God is with you even in the middle of the chaos. Even in the darkest of nights, God is with you. He's available to you. Trust in him. Meditate on his word. Rehearse his character. He is with you. He will help you when morning dawns. Let's take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we are grateful for your grace. We are grateful so much. That the chaos that is sure to find us, the chaos with wars and rumors of wars in the world, and the chaos that just tends to be life here in D.C., that that chaos that's outside of us doesn't have to get inside of us. That chaos outside of us, God, can actually actually be an opportunity for peace within us. Why? Because you are with us. And the reality of your presence is bigger than the the reality of the chaos that surrounds us. You said in your word here that in the midst of the nations and chaos, you uttered your voice and the earth knows. And we thank you that you who has the voice that can silence all chaos, that you are the God who's with us this morning. So help us, Lord. Help us to avail ourselves of your presence. And I pray in doing so that you would grant us a peace that passes all understanding. Thank you for the opportunity we have to lay our anxieties at your feet. Right now, I want to give you a moment to do just that. What are you anxious about right now? What things in your life that you're thinking, man, this is out of control. I don't know how to fix this. I'm at the end of my rope. I want you to take a moment. It's to simply offering, offering those to God in prayer. Father, we lift the troubles and the pain and the chaos of this world to you, and we trust for you to take that and for you to place into our hands a peace that passes all understanding. God, will you help us? We love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.